All right, how we doing, everybody? I am your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Huge episode today. First, I'm joined by Jacob Lane of the Big Red Louie to preview Louisville's football season. We're, of course, going to break down the Saturday home opener against WKU, but we'll also get into the new rules when it comes to being a fan inside the stadium. Jacob also gives us a fantastic, detailed preview of the depth chart and what the cards are going to look like on both sides of the ball. We also get into the NBA playoffs at the end and preview Raptors-Celtics Game 7. Talk about if anything can deter this Lakers-Clippers-destined matchup and much, much more. Then I'm joined by Austin Bickett to talk about the most wonderful time of the year. We preview NFL Week 1 and he grades all of my futures bets and opinions on the upcoming NFL season. But before we do, our show is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy Sports. The NFL is back. That's a great time to show the Thrive Fantasy Sports app some love. Use promo code RED with two Ds for a $20 bonus on any deposit of $20 or more. Thrive is offering over $50,000 in prizes this weekend. Thrive offers you a chance to put your fantasy football skills to the test against either one or thousands of other players. Again, that's promo code RED for a free $20 on the house. All right, let's get it going. All right, Jacob Lane, site expert at the Big Red Louie, is back on Red Talk, but in even bigger news. Louisville football is back. We are now exactly two days away from the 2020 season kicking off. It feels like a dream. It really does, man. The fact that uh, we're actually writing game previews and breaking down opponents is a miracle in itself. I, uh, yeah, just read a bunch of Big Red Louie to get ready for this game. So I encourage the Uvell Card Nation to do the same. A lot of useful stuff. Yeah, man, it's weird. Like going out and looking for some information that I haven't even, you know, really thought about in months in terms of, you know, the opponent and previewing. Usually we do full schedule breakdowns and everything, but this year with the schedule coming out, you know, a month before the season and everything changing, we were just like, let's wait. Let's make sure there's a season before we start diving into all of this stuff. So thankfully there is a season and we're gonna we're gonna have a game on on Saturday. Um, I would be there in any other circumstance, man. But uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna opt out of the season in person this year, I believe, and just watch from home. Wow, Jacob Lane opts out of season. I am gonna go. Um, you know, I haven't been to a live sporting event since we played Virginia at home in basketball in the KFC Yum Center. That feels like a lifetime ago. I guess it wasn't that long ago. You know, I mean, people deal with worse in the world. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you the last sporting event that I that I went to a basketball game at some point during the conference season. Um, and I feel like, you know, I feel like I went through this really bad breakup uh, in March and my life came crashing down in front of me. And now I'm you know trying to get back into the dating scene. And uh, it's still just weird. And obviously, I'm using an analogy here for sports being canceled in March and now coming back on. So if my wife, if you're listening, I'm not dating, I promise. Yeah, that's, that's good to say. And, you know, I was about to ask, like, what is this? Is this like that ex-girlfriend that you missed? You know, she finally comes back. You all worked it out and you're good now. Or is this like this is this a new girlfriend? A new, new this, girlfriend. Is, this is a new girlfriend and you're not sure if it's going to stick around. Um, You know, it could be a two week girlfriend or it could be a, a you know, a, a two year girlfriend. We have no idea um, in terms of the season if we're going to get a full year in here. So um, this is like, let's take things slow. Uh, let's not let's not go too fast. Let's get our feet wet and, and see where things go from there. Yeah, that that last part, all oh, that's fine. But, you know, new girlfriend, that eh, that's scary. You might not even like her. Who knows? Exactly. Right. But we got eight o'clock on the ACC network. Yes, the ACC network. So everybody Google, figure it out. It's not going to be the easiest thing in the world to watch. Everybody dealt with it last year. We're probably going to be dealing with it for the rest of our lives. And there's going to be some random soccer game that goes into overtime before because it's every time Louisville plays on the ACC network, some you know some sport that's not football is going into overtime. Yeah, and uh, it, it's really crazy because they won't just put Louisville on. You got to go dive into your ESPN app at that point, find us as like the 67th listed option to watch, and then then you're in there. Then you're watching the cards, hopefully, if you have good Wi-Fi. Louisville favored by 11 points over under at 57 and a half, which means that Las Vegas predicts that the Louisville Cardinals will win 34 to 23. Jacob, what do you think about the spread? You know, I, I 
can't say that in this world we're living in right now that uh, I expected anything different. I think that it's too hard to really tell um, who's going to be good and who's not going to be good. Uh, with Western Kentucky and Louisville, both both teams return a lot of experienced players. Both year, both teams are in year two of their respective coaching staffs. Both are in what looks to be uh, positions to to potentially compete at the conference level, and then you know go on to bigger and better things. So you know, I understand the the eleven point spread there. Um, I think that on paper. Western Kentucky matches up well. They've got a very experienced defense. They they got after Mikael Cunningham last year in Nashville. Offensive line didn't play well. Uh, the defense was able to do their job, and thankfully that's how they ended up walking out of there with a bigger victory. Um, and so I can see them thinking that, you know, on paper this could be a close game, but I envision this being a 21-plus uh, win for Louisville. I hope so. You know, I really don't need to deal with any more sadness in 2020 as in a possibility of WKU coming into Cardinal Stadium and actually winning that game. But we beat them last year in Nashville at the Titans Stadium, 38 to 21. It was probably the hottest day ever. Dude, it's so know. funny you say that. We asked last night when we had Gigi Robinson on the podcast, on the Big Red Lily podcast, we asked him what he remembers and he said, I remember it just being hot as shit. Literally, like there was nowhere that you could sit in that stadium where you weren't just miserable for, no. for being there. And I I left early, I uh, shame to say, but I just couldn't take it anymore. And you go to these games and you're there, but I couldn't even get an Instagram picture in this place because I looked so terrible. You know, I'm drenched. The hair is long. I don't need anybody to see me like that. I got to get out of there to protect reputation. But very happy that Louisville was able to a pull out a win there. We had a great game from Rajay Burns. Tutu Adwell felt like he was everywhere. So I, I feel like we, in theory, should be way better this year than we were last year somehow. And WKU, what you guys were saying about them on the Big Red Louie, it seems positive. They were nine and four last year. They won the coveted first responders bowl, beat Western mm. Michigan 23 to 20. Nobody can one. forget where they were when they were watching that game. Right. And their next game coming into Cardinal Stadium. Uh, what are we thinking about the tops? Well, you know, I think that this is about as good of a matchup that you can ask for in week one in a COVID year because, you know, you, you've got schools like Oklahoma that are going to match up with Missouri State. That's going to be no contest for Missouri or for Oklahoma, um, you know, other than just seeing by Petrino and hopefully Lincoln Riley just wanting to give him shit for, hey, for just we, everything. Can we just quick pause? Oklahoma, sure. that game's pay-per-view is, is what I read. You have to buy yeah. that game like it's a I, boxing match? Like forty nine ninety nine. Okay, yeah, that's really something. And I really think that Bobby Petrino coaching that game helps because there has to be a few people that are going to watch it just to get him to get, uh, watch him get destroyed. Oklahoma's only favored by 40 and a half. I don't know. I watched yeah, Oklahoma right, in person last year, lose to LSU by, I don't remember, but it felt like 40 and a half. So I, I don't know. They're going to be pissed off. Yeah. Well, in that game, Joe Burrow had five touchdowns in the first half. I think maybe even it was six or seven he had in the first half. That game was over when LSU touched the field. Uh, but back to Louisville, I think that this is a great matchup because it's going to be competitive. Like I said, Western Kentucky is not a scrub team. They've got a good defense. They've got solid pieces on offense. They're going to give Louisville um, you know, a, a run for their money in the first quarter. Uh, and that's what I want to see. I want to see a competitive game early. And then from that, I don't want – any any chances of Louisville not dominating that game? They are a far superior team. They've got the pieces that uh, you know combined to to give them what will be a much improved defense. Mikael Cunningham is a Heisman candidate. Javion Hawkins is a Heisman candidate. Tutu Atwell is a Heisman candidate. Marshawn Ford and Des Fitzpatrick are back. You've got uh, you know three out of your starting five offensive linemen. You've got the entire coaching staff back. There's no reason that this game should be anything other than competitive in the first quarter and Louisville pulling away, similar to like I'd say Notre Dame Louisville last year. Um, uh, but but here's the thing: we talked about this last night with Gigi. They they're going to run the football a lot, and um, you know, he, as a guy who played in that Kentucky game last year, he said, "I understand why teams would do that, and they're going to do it until Louisville proves that they can stop the run." Uh, so with Tyrell Pig Rome, aka Piggy T, their quarterback, five foot ten quarterback, Ooh. given the given Ooh, the short name, the short guys, a lot of hope that maybe one day they can do something great at five ten. He's gonna he's gonna go in there in his final year of eligibility after transferring from Maryland. The dude can run the football. I watched uh, the tape of him against Texas, which was one of his best career games last year. That game that went back and forth. I don't know if you remember. Or two years ago, I apologize. That game that went back and forth, they scored 60 points each. 
Um, and and Pigram was the starting quarterback there, and he absolutely dominated that defense. Um, and he, he he's a guy who is inconsistent. Uh, he's never been able to take a full-time starting role. Every year at Maryland, he had started two or three games and eventually either got hurt or lost his job. Um, so he he's good, right? But let's not act like he is the next coming of Lynn Bowden because he's not. Uh, if Louisville can't stop him, they're not going to be able to stop much of anybody this year. Um, the, and the reason why I think that this game is so important is because for that reason, if Louisville can't stop Western Kentucky, the, the, the verdict's going to be out on them. The defense is what we thought they were. Right, the, the famous Dennis Green quote, they were who we thought they were. Uh, if Louisville can't stop Western Kentucky, I'm not convinced they'll be able to stop the run at all this year. I know it's the first game of the year. I know it's it's still early, but um, expect them to give Gage Walker 20-plus carries if the game is competitive early. I expect Pigram to do a lot of RPO and, and keep the football, but um, this is a real opportunity for that defense to, to show that they're ready for a big step. Uh, that's what I was about to ask, and then you kind of touched on it. Like, make the Louisville fans feel better about what we saw in Lexington last year, but there's really nothing that anybody can say to do that. The defense is just going to have to show us that they can stop the run, and it sounds like they're immediately getting the opportunity to do so, which I feel like you know, is all you can ask for. It's kind of like a, a poor man's Kentucky rushing attack from what I'm hearing. So we'll take it. We're going to find out, and I, you said you're opting out of the season in person. I don't blame you that's a safe right thing to do uh, i unfortunately i'm not going to do that i'm going to go into the game and it, just be in love and there be so happy a few things on how things are going to be in the stadium for people thinking about going to the games there are more gates to get in they've expanded so you'll be less likely to be in a giant crowd in that scenario i'd probably encourage you to get there a little early uh, with that being the case party deck closed can't even use it to walk around can't use it to hang out they're going to be really strict about which seats you're in and that you're in the right ones. So you're definitely going to want to stay in your seat. They are serving concessions. Alcohol will be served. A lot of schools are not doing that. So that's, uh, that's lovely. And uh, last thing, as far as I can remember is that I haven't had this one verified, but that you're supposed to have your mask on at all times, unless you are consuming food or a beverage. Jacob, would you like to comment on any of this? Yeah, so I think everything makes sense. I think that we have now seen that sporting events can take place. Louisville City's been doing it for three-plus months, and I don't know if you've heard anything, but I've not heard about a massive outbreak being the source at, at that game or any of those games. So I feel like there's a good plan in place. Uh, Louisville has been the leader in terms of protecting their players, being on campus, keeping safe. Uh, I feel like if there's anybody that can do it, it's them. Uh, here's my advice to you, Cardinal fans. If you're going to the game and you don't want to wear your mask, you better be prepared to drop $7.50 every couple of minutes for a new beer because uh, if you don't have your – if if you are uh, actively drinking or eating, you do not have to wear a mask. So, obviously, be smart. Wear your mask, social distance, wash your hands, uh, but drink a lot of beer because that's the only way you can have your mask off. Poetic, but those are just the rules. It's so funny because I saw – I think it was Mark Blankenbaker that tweeted that out, that Vince Hyrie had said that that's the only time you can have your mask on. I'm thinking to myself, that's so on brand that that, that is the only time you can have your mask off is when you're drinking. Yeah, no, it uh, it truly is, and it's it, it seems fair because you it's really tough to consume a beer while you have a mask on. It, it's just hard, and if you are doing it, you're probably not wearing your mask right. So, you know, reevaluate everything there. Um, big, big picture, Louisville Cardinals here. Uh, I want to do a little it, – it, you you kind of take it away right here. I want to know who's back and who's new on this Louisville team. And we know that Mikael Cunningham, Tutu Atwell, Javian Hawkins, everybody knows those three big guys on offense. But tell me some other big names that Cardinal fans know, but just reaffirm that they're back and they're yeah. going to be solid this year. Well, obviously you said it right. So it starts with uh, everything is at Mikhail Cunningham's fingertips. This team is going to go as he goes this year. He's the guy. Then it's Javian Hawkins. They're going to run the football a, a hell of a lot more than they did last year, I think. They ran the football a lot, but I think they'll run more. There's going to be new wrinkles added in. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of Hawkins, a lot of Hassan Hall. And then obviously Tutu Atwell is your guy. I don't need to tell you much about him. Des Fitzpatrick is back outside. I think that the number one thing this offense has to do to take the next step is they've got to be able to unlock the sidelines and throw into the hashes. Uh, last year, Cunningham seemed like he was, uh, I want to say, unconfident throwing the football out wide and trying to hit Des Fitzpatrick. Um, but in that three-game stretch against Wake Forest, Florida State, and Boston College, uh, Des had more than half of his production. I think he had, uh, I think it was like 14 catches for almost 300 yards, 350 yards and like 
four or five touchdowns, uh, three or four touchdowns, whatever it was. Uh, that those stretches of of games they got him the ball, and he showed what he could do. Uh, his father told us several times it's all about production. That's what the NFL wants to see from him this year. I look for him to have a big season. He's the leader on uh, the wide receivers. He is everything that you could ever ask for. I've always thought of him to be a smaller Larry Fitzgerald. That's what he reminds me of. That's how he plays. He just needs somebody to get him the football. You go to Marshawn Ford, tight end, going to play a little bit of H-back in the more traditional tight end spot this year. I look for him to be a guy by the end of the season that's on NFL draft radars. Uh, he's fast. I've not seen anybody clear the edge like him blocking for Hawkins and Atwell like he did in those end of rounds last year. Um, former walk-on, he he really is giving um, Satterfield and the staff uh, this, this new – pathway of, of walk-ons who get underlooked and come in and, and compete right away. Satterfield said from day one, well, I don't care if you're a walk-on or a scholarship player, number one on the depth chart, we're going to make you compete and earn your spot here. And Ford has clearly done that. The offensive line, I mentioned they get three starters back, Cole Bentley, Caleb Chandler, Robbie Bell, the interior lineman. That's uh, the, the, the chunk of where they struggled last year. So obviously you want to see some growth there. They lose Mekhi Becton, who's now with the Jets. They lose Tyler Haycraft, who I said last night, I think he's the most underrated player Louisville's had in a long time. I can't believe Bobby Petrino didn't play him considering how much Bobby Petrino loved walk-ons on the offensive line. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you played Tobias Hughley for four years, but you can't get Tyler Haycraft out there. It makes no sense. Um, so at left tackle, Adonis Boone is going to step in. He, he filled in a couple of times last year. He's a former tight end. Uh, so that shows you he is a, an athletic guy who can really do a lot of unique things. On the right side, Renato Brown, redshirt freshman, was in that first class that Scott Satterfield had, chose Louisville over Florida State and a couple other big-time schools. He's a big guy. He reminds me of Jerome Christian. Uh, very athletic, can move. Um, he's got to learn to play the position. He's going to struggle a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see Trevor Reed or UConn transfer Cameron to George there at some point. Uh, early in the season just to to kind of make sure that they don't have any issues. Uh, I expect them to take a big step forward. I think Adonis Boone is going to be really good. I think Caleb Chandler is going to be the Makai Becton of this offensive line. I think he's going to be the guy that becomes the star there. Um, he flips over to the other side of the ball. Defensively, you return everybody but Amante Caban and Gigi Robinson um, and Kane Pass. So you, you've got one guy, two guys on the defensive line and one in the back secondary. They're going to replace Pass with a graduate transfer in Isaiah Hayes. I expect freshman Lovey Jenkins to get a lot of clock there and get the opportunity to be on the field with Russ Yeast, who's back from injury uh, up front. Uh, Jared Goldwire is going to be the, the guy that slides in from Gigi Robinson. What Gigi told us last night is he's faster. He's, str he's stronger. He's not faster. That's what he wanted to make sure. He's not faster than me, but he's much stronger than me. He's a much better pass rusher. Um, that's going to unlock a lot of different things. That's going to allow Tiberius Peterson, who comes back on the defensive end uh, line. And then whoever steps into that other spot, which is going to be Jadarian Boykin, um, or Yaya Diaby, both guys are new this year. One's a Juco transfer Diaby. The other, Boykin, is a highly regarded former four-star defensive lineman. Louisville's got pieces up front, man. Henry Bryant, Des Tell, uh, uh, Jared Dawson. The, the, the line of guys that can play this year is long. They've talked about how they want to get to 10 deep on the defensive line. I think they're finally there. I think they can rotate roughly 9, 10 guys. Linebacker, man, you get everybody back. Everybody. Yeah, this linebacker bring back. looks loaded. Yeah, you bring back Rajay Burns, you bring back C.J. Avery, you bring back Dorian Etheridge, you bring back Yasir Abdullah, you get Monty Montgomery, who's, who was the most underrated player on the defense last year, led the team in sacks as awesome a, a first-year. Awesome yeah, right. Absolutely. It's a great name. I wish my name was Monty Montgomery. I'd be a badass doing something besides marketing if that was my name. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think that yeah, GJ talked about last night. He thinks Monty's going to lead the team in sacks again. They've got they've got a ton of other guys. KJ Cloyd, who is the the JUCO transfer who came in late. Um, they've got uh, Dorian Jones back. Alan Smith. Cameron Wilson at outside linebacker. Marvin Dallas. They are loaded there. They've got so many guys that I don't know how they're going to play them all. Uh, and then they're going to move, obviously, secondary. You get Chandler Jones, Anthony Johnson, Marlon Character back. You add Kachel Clark, the transfer from Liberty. Russ Yeast is back. Uh, Isaiah Hayes, Jack Fago will play. Levy Jenkins, as I mentioned. Josh Minkins was a standout, the Ballard, uh, the former Ballard student yeah. uh, football player. He's a standout in camp. Looks like he's going to get some playing time. They've got dudes everywhere. The question is, can the dudes actually make plays when the game counts? Yeah, that's what we're all waiting to see. But a lot of familiar names on this returning depth chart. And I, I feel like everybody has to have high hopes for this season. Like, it's just not an irrational thought to think that this Louisville team could be really good. And last year, it kind of went both ways. You heard a lot of people like, man, this Louisville team's going to be awesome. And then a lot of people like, eh, I'm not expecting much. I'm not expecting much yet. And that's my final question on the Louisville football is, is season coming up is, in the famous words of rapper Murphy Lee, what goes up? 
must come down. And his crew, the St. Lunatics, they actually never came down in their own words. But ceiling and floor, uh, give me both. What do you think about the cards? Gosh, dude, that's so good. I can just the rest of that that song is now right here. I remember every word from that from that verse. But yeah, did you a favor? Uh, Great song. Right, I'm gonna go listen to it after this. I, I think that uh, the only way I'm disappointed this year um, is if you know they win six games and it's just they they clunk their way through it. They got there. You know, I understand this is going to be a very unique season. Players are going to probably, you know, at some point deal with being, you know, infected by the virus. There's going to be some type of outbreak. How do they manage that? There's going to be cancellation of games, postponements. You know, it, we've seen what happened with Major League Baseball. You're a huge baseball fan. I, I, I know you've followed and kept up with what's going on there, but they've gotten to the end or, or close to it at least. Um, and so there's ways to manage that. Right. There's ways to manage it. There are ways to deal with it, but you just never know. Um, so the only way I'm disappointed is if they, you know, obviously anything but less, be, below six games is a huge disappointment. But if they're at six and they kind of clunk their way through there, it was ugly. That'll be disappointing considering the firepower they have. Um, seven, eight wins is kind of, you know, what I think most people are expecting. I'd be okay with that. Uh, but I'm thinking it's going to be closer to nine, ten wins overall including western kentucky I, I expect them to beat notre dame this year i've been on the record saying that for a long time um i expect them to to beat miami i expect them to beat pittsburgh um you know Vir virginia tech florida state uh some of the games that are in the middle of the schedule where you know you can kind of put your guard down maybe you're not as hyped as you were for the miamis of the world maybe miami is you know physically too much for them um you know i think that they're going to be just fine handling that. Gigi told us last night that they never on on the football side of things they never felt like they were overpowered or out outwilled. Uh, they just didn't have enough horses to to run the race. So I think with depth this year, I think with another year of experience, uh, the fact that he was counting defensive coordinators on two hands is a problem over the last few years with the, the same coordinator Brian Brown and Court Dennison back for year two. Same terminology. There's no relearning of the system. You got got Chris Mack famously said a couple of years ago, "We got guys teaching guys." I think that's huge when you have players who can teach other players the way. Uh, I expect a huge season. Um, I'm on the record predicting that they are going to win nine games this year, that they're going to go nine and two. Um, and I forget how, I think it was eight and two in the conference is how it would break down. Um, we talked about this a little bit last time. I, I have two unconventional losses. I, I think I'd like to revise my Virginia tech loss, but I'm sticking with Boston college. That's a, that's a game Louisville has, that's a team Louisville has struggled with for two years now. I know everybody thinks I'm crazy, but they've struggled with them for two years. Louisville's got the same damn team that they've had for the last two seasons. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be 15 degrees. There's going to be nobody there in the middle of November, the day after Thanksgiving. Just just trust me on this. I've gotten things like this right before, and I will be right again. Uh, but, Will, man, I, I think that the ceiling is super high. I think that they're not going to go undefeated, uh, but the ceiling is one loss. I think that I could see a scenario where that happens. Maybe that one loss is Notre Dame. I don't think so. But um, the only way I'm disappointed is if they clunk their way to the season or they just completely fall short. I'm sold. I, I was already excited, but after hearing all that, I'm really excited. I think we're going to be really good, and I think that nine wins isn't out of the realm. I, I think that I would be disappointed with six at this point, too. I, I'm hoping that it's at least like, you know, you know, seven. Seven would be cool. I feel like I'm still kind of pissed off, but eight or more. I mean, what a dream that would be after the last few months. Oh, man, some awesome quotes in there. Guys teaching guys. That's brilliant. <laughs> You know, we do that at my work, and that, that really helps. Um, right. Think about it, though, right? That's a great example. You don't go into work and have, uh, you know, the CEO training you and teaching you, right? You got guys or gals teaching you how to do the job that you're going to do who have been doing that job or have done that job. That's the way it should be. So when you're in year two of any new coach, Western Kentucky is going to be in the same boat. There's no there's no relearning of a system. You're you're good to go and you can just keep going, you know, day after day knowing what's coming. Um, and I think that's just going to be such a breath of fresh air to guys who have had five defensive coordinators in five years. Yeah, it's outrageous. And when you're thinking about year one, at, you know, your your new team and you have to learn an entire new system. It kind of is like the CEO trying to teach everybody one thing. He's even teaching the coaches in some instances. So, yeah, I mean, I think we have to feel really good about year two. The schedule works out. Clemson's not on there. If, praise Jesus. And. Yeah, I mean, this team has three guys that you'll see as Heisman candidates before you really get. You really have to scroll too far. So I, I think that the high hopes are reasonable. Let's uh, let's talk about the NBA a little bit. Um, it would have been so easy to leave it out because Louisville football's here. NFL Week One is literally Sunday. I I, I can't even 
can't say it enough, but the NBA is as good as it's ever been. Um, your thoughts on how the playoffs are shaping up? Man, it, it's been so competitive and so much fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I think that the way things have shaken out have kind of been what I expected in terms of who is left and how the the kind of proceeding of things would go. But how about the, the performance of Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray kind of giving you that next um, – that, that, that next group of guys who are going to take, a, you know, star roles in the NBA. That series was entertaining as hell. Um, I know Rudy Gobert, you know, technically stepped on the line on that final that final play of game seven before he could get the ball out of his hands. But damn, man, I don't know how they didn't get the ball to Donovan Mitchell. He's wide open in the corner. He fell down the play before. Uh, it would have been a beautiful moment to have Donovan Mitchell walk off game seven. Um, but, you know, I, it's been great basketball. Donovan Mitchell and Montrezl Harrell have been a lot of fun to watch. I, I, I would like to see Montrezl Harrell play better. He's been really bad the last couple of weeks, but who can blame him considering what he's been through? Uh, and how about Donovan Mitchell, man, playing uh, through that first round performance with his grandma, you know, you know, headed towards passing away. Just, uh, you know, and nobody um, even I got knew a, about that. Right. I got a lot of respect for guys who are in that bubble, you know. A lot of people want to make fun of them and say they're millionaires and all this and that they should be handling that well. I don't know anybody who would be able to be away from their family for you know two three months and be mentally sane, uh, just playing basketball. So shout out to them. Um, you know my prediction so far still stands. I got the 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 Clippers and the Raptors in the finals. I, I, you know Toronto has shown that they were not Kawhi Leonard and dudes last year. They have shown that um, they they were one possession away from being down 3-0. And here they are going into game seven with Boston. And I think they're going to win that game. I don't think there's any way Boston wins that game. Um, and then how about Miami? I mean, Jimmy Butler, man. Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite NBA players. His his personality and just the dog in him is so much fun to watch. And, um, you know, I think it was Richard Jefferson that took a lot of slack for saying that, that Giannis was Pippen uh, and needed his Jordan. Uh, but, but Jimmy Butler made him look like he was scared. I've not seen a, that kind of look of confusing, um, you know, lostness that we saw Giannis have in game one and game two, where he just literally was not prepared for four dudes to wall up around the three-point line and prevent him from driving at the rim. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is, Daniel House, man, if you really did what I'm hearing you did, buddy, whew. Yeah, I wonder how his uh, teammates took that because if he told his teammates before, like, hey, man, I got tested for COVID and I took the nurse back up to my room. Like, he hasn't gotten in trouble yet. Nobody knows about it. His teammates are probably like, nice, nice. But then he gets in trouble. You know, I wonder if it changes, if they even had a chance to, like, turn themselves into hypocrites because you know that James Harden and Westbrook are, like, really pissed at him because he literally isn't out there. I'm watching it right now. He's not playing. Uh, so... I'm just wondering, I hope for Daniel House's sake that he did get to tell his teammates before he got caught doing this so he can be like, hey, f you guys, I told you all and you all said that it was cool. And now, you know, you can't you can't have it both ways. But on the actual basketball, I, I said when me and Austin did our pre playoff show that I thought the Heat would go to the Eastern Conference Finals and win the East and that I thought the Celtics would see him there. And the Celtics, the Raptors are like one of the most persistent teams I've ever seen in my life but the Celtics should have won five of those six games already and I don't know how that affects game seven if it means like they're you know the Celtics should win by the forces of God or like that they that they shouldn't win that they just physically can't because it's not supposed to happen but you got the OG shot with 0.5 left you know that was ridiculous and then Kemba gets mauled the other night on his drive to the basket if he makes both those free throws the game probably ends right there so that's what I mean by the five of six and the other the other games they obviously won so that's just a really interesting game like those are yeah, two teams me, that are really even let me hop in there though because uh, here's what I would say I think that Boston has shown their youth a little bit right and I think that even it's not even just youth it's inexperience because you can't have get Kimball Walker scoring five points yeah. in, a, in a potential um, you know clinching game I think that you know talking about a guy who played for the Bobcats and the Hornets for his entire career he has no idea how to win playoff series and, and big games I mean I know I know that he's gotten into series and they've they've played well at times in the playoffs when they've been there and he, an you know, he was a champion. And he's a big time guy, right? But but winning the NBA playoffs is a lot different than yeah. winning the, than college. And even the fact that they went on that magical run where they won five games in five days at the Big East tournament, and then you know went the whole way and won the the NCAA tournament, I, I get all that or whatever. But uh, this is a different ball game. And Kyle Lowry looks like a guy who's done it before and been there and won a championship at that level. And last night he just him and Fred VanVleet just absolutely outplayed uh, you know Kimball Walker and the Celtics. And uh, I think that Game Seven is going to be. 
um, you know, I think that this is what you're going to see youth because Toronto has been there. The majority of those guys on that roster won a championship last year. They know what it takes. They remember that game in Philadelphia. Philadelphia was the, uh, you know, a toilet bowl shot away from going to the NBA finals last year. Um, they've been there. They know what it takes. They know the, 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 the level of focus and determination. I, I like Toronto to win that game. Um, and I, I still like Toronto to get to the finals. I really do. I will say the one thing that I feel like I definitely know about that game seven is that it'll be really, really close. I don't think we see a big Celtics blowout like we did in game five. These two teams are just really, really even. And I, I think that Lowry absolutely has Kimba Walker edged in just about every category. I, I look for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to literally have to have a big game for the Celtics to be able to win. Daniel Tice has been phenomenal in this series. It, it's crazy how effective he is, especially since the Raptors, you look at the roster, like, oh, they have a Baca, they have Mark Gasol, they definitely have the edge at center. The Celtics will literally just play. Daniel Tice at center for your 30 something minutes a game. And if it's not him, Canner hasn't even played in this series. It's Robert, the time Lord Williams. It's, it's a crazy competitive, awesome series to watch. It, it could go either way in game seven. I, I really do feel that way. Yeah, I do too. And I think though, if Boston gets to the finals, it's going to be, you know, whether it's the Lakers or it's the Clippers, they they've got a really interesting chance at winning a championship because of the fact that they've got two, of the NBA's best perimeter defenders in Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. I mean, you can yeah. put Jalen Brown on. You can put Jalen Brown on Kawhi. You can put Jason Tatum on Kawhi. Like you can put. Um, they've got a lot of length. They've got a lot of lineup versatility. Um, you know, Boston is inexperienced. That's their problem. They're going to get to the whoever they play. You know, if they win this series and get to the next round, whether it's Miami or um, the Clippers or the Lakers or whoever comes out of the West, they they're going to have a problem with with inexperience and young guys. But uh, when you can play lineups that are as versatile as Grant Williams at the five and, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, you know, get really big wings who can play, you know, at the at the highest level on both ends of the floor. You've got a chance to win a championship. I think that that's right now the blueprint as many wings as you can get out there that can shoot and play defense. Yeah. And, and Marcus Smart, I mean, I forgot to even mention him. I, I did some research and I, I've concluded that he's the third best player in all of sports to ever wear number 36 right behind Rashid Wallace and Jerome Bettis in there. Oh, I was going to say, if you left Jerome Bettis out, no, we're going to have a real no, problem no chance with that. Okay. The box. Right. But yeah, Marcus Smart's been incredible in this series, and everybody knew he's great defensive player. He's first team all defense, for Christ's sakes. But he's making threes, and that's what's even scary about the Celtics losing game six is like they lost, and Marcus Smart was just on fire from the field. What happens if he comes out there and goes 0 for 7 from 3 because they clearly – need that scoring to be in the ball game. I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but in the West, uh, we're watching the Lakers Rockets right now. The Lakers are up 12. That's been a pretty consistent theme. Frank Vogel finally took JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard. They're not playing them anymore. They're putting Davis at the five and they're scoring in the post more successfully than they ever have in this series because LeBron and Davis are just going through these guys. Nobody can guard them outside or down low. The Lakers are going to win this series and the Clippers are just as dominant. Montrez, Finally played a great game last night. He only played 17 minutes. I think he got to 15 or 16 points. He looked energetic. He took Jokic out of it with his constant movement and his pressure with his fresh legs. So I think this battle for L.A. is destined. Do you see anything that changes that? No, I don't. But I do want to say that I think that you have to give major credit to Houston for what they did going small. The, and But I don't want anybody to mistake that for me saying that they're trailblazers and the fact that Golden State did this years ago. They showed that in the playoffs, you don't need a center. Just with better the players. Right, right, exactly. And the, the fact that people thought JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard were going to be playoff you know, factors, I could have told you that months ago. The, what happens in the regular season with rotations is not what happens in the playoffs. Centers become irrelevant unless you're an all, you know, a NBA great center. If you're a, a you know, a, a Carl Anthony Towns or you're, you know, somebody like Joe Embiid, somebody that's a dominant center. Um, otherwise, you're pretty much going to be off the floor for the majority of the time. But uh, I think the two L.A. teams have been destined to play each other in the West since day one. I still am going to stand by that. I think the Clippers are just going to be a mentally tougher team. Um, I don't know what it is about the Lakers. Uh, I, I shouldn't even say the Lakers. It's LeBron James teams. But as they get closer to the finals, they, they win games, but the pieces around him look worse and worse. J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters, Danny Green, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Alex Caruso, like the ugliest guy in the NBA is out there playing 20 minutes. Yeah, a dude from Ice Age. 
Yeah, I've given him the nickname the office manager. Like he just does not belong out there. Uh, But the Lakers pieces are nowhere near as good as the Clippers. Um, It's going to be LeBron James and Anthony Davis pulling them to victory, which I don't think they're going to be able to do. Um, and we're again. I, I keep saying it. We're gonna, we're staring at, at Clippers Raptors finals. I uh, I agree. I think the Clippers are going to edge the Lakers, but I also think that that's probably as good of an NBA series as we will ever see in our lives. Because LeBron and Davis are playing better than they have all year right now. They've really turned it up. And to your point, LeBron just turns it to a different level in the playoffs. And I think that naturally makes everybody on the floor look a little worse than what they are, whether they're on the other team or they're on his team. But, man, I mean, what the how the Lakers have turned it around in this Rocket series, because the way Harden and Westbrook looked in game one, I was like, you know, this is kind of similar to what the Clippers are going to be able to do. The Clippers aren't. They don't play huge. And the Clippers have two larger-than-life stars, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And the Rockets, you know, they kind of they're, – they're built like that. They got Westbrook and Harden. And the way they put things together in game one, I was like, oh, my God, this is a poor man's Clippers. Clippers are going to sweep the Lakers. But now you see the Lakers kind of shift. And I do think the Clippers, you know, the sum of their parts, they're better than the Lakers and they edge them. My next question to you is, can any of these teams in the East like actually beat either of those teams in a series? Because I feel like it's kind of been a different level of basketball outside of the Heat. I feel like the Heat are kind of playing on that level. I want to say no, because the whole thing, the entire NBA season has been, yeah, but can they beat the Lakers seven times or four times? Can they beat the Clippers four times? I don't think so. Um, You know, I think that in terms of matchups, Miami probably matches up better with either of those teams just because, again, you go back to the wing thing and you've got Derek Jones and you've got uh, Jimmy Butler and you've got Andre Godala and Jay Crowder. You've got guys who have experience, who have been there, who have done that. Um, so I like that matchup better, but Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James are the best two players in the NBA. In my opinion, they are, um, two guys that when they are on the floor, they are not going to lose. Uh, it's just that simple. They're not going to lose. And, um, you know, they might drop a game, but I don't see a scenario where either one of those teams doesn't win the finals. And I think the Clippers are significantly better than the Lakers. Yeah, I, I agree. One of them is going to win it. I think that series is going to be a war. The Lakers also have the whole Kobe Bryant thing going on. Like the, like the, I feel like the higher power, the gods want the Lakers to win. And I, sometimes in sports that really matters, but I definitely like the Clippers roster better. Paul George has been playing a ton better. That makes them a different team. So we'll see. It's going to be fun. we got Game 7 Celtics Raptors tomorrow. The Heat are getting a ton of rest, and it only gets better from here. TNT and ESPN, don't let football take you away from this awesome basketball being played. Jacob, it was a pleasure. You got anything else for me? Look, man, we're talking about uh, just the most unique time that we're ever going to experience in our lives in terms of sport. The fact that the NBA, the NFL, college basketball, college football, Major League Baseball are all going to be playing at the exact same time. Uh, we, we need to enjoy this. This year has been so crappy uh, that we need to just truly embrace this. Let the let this sports unite us again and give us something to cheer about that's not, uh, you know, president candidate X or Y. Uh, let sports be the thing that kind of gets you back into seeing people can can be whole again and, and can love each other. Uh, and this is an exciting time. Will, I, I, I can't wait. Saturday is going to be a whole lot of fun. It's special, man. We finally made it. Everything's all coming together. Jacob, it was an absolute pleasure. Again, we'll do this throughout the Louisville football season some and break down our cards going nine and two. Yeah, absolutely, man. We'll have you on the Big Red Lily podcast as well, um, and and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun season, Will. Yes, sir. Yeah, bring me back. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, Austin, this day felt like it would never come. The NFL is back. We didn't know if anything would ever be back. Every single time that something was thinking about coming back, you would tweet and you'd be like, hey, I really don't even care. As long as the NFL comes back, I need the NFL. It's here. It's uh, starting in a few hours. By the time this episode's out, the Texans and Chiefs will have already played. The 2020 season will be underway. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm so excited. It's like uh, Christmas Day. It really won't hit me until Sunday when I'm at Roosters waiting for all these one o'clock games. But this is a a great start to get a primetime game before the um, actual full schedule comes out or hits on Sunday. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. I never really thought it would happen on time, at least and in full. Uh, Going to be weird with no fans, but that's how everything is these days. So 
I, I can't wait for tonight and then even more so on Sunday. Hey, some teams have fans. And uh, Sunday, yes, Roosters at 1 o'clock this upcoming Sunday will actually feel like Christmas. This feels like that sick Christmas dinner bar get-together that you do with your friends before Christmas. And it's yeah. just as fun, but it's not Christmas. Sunday, Christmas. Yeah, somebody said tonight was like the the ugly sweater party. Yeah. Like three days before Christmas where you're, you're still hyped and you're still drunk, but it's it's just not the same as that that feeling you get on Christmas morning when you wake up and that's a coming Sunday. But it's different. You know, it's different when you're looking forward to something when it's coming. You know, I'm in my Mickey Mouse sweater. I'm at O'Shea's. We're having fun. It's December 22nd, maybe. And and now like you have that to look forward to. There's so much happiness. I mean, hell, in this situation, Christmas Eve involves me being at a live sporting event in Cardinal Stadium watching Louisville take on WKU. I didn't think I'd say these words this soon, but I'm saying them. And uh, to start the show today, I have a fun little segment for you. This is called Good Bet or Bad Bet. Uh, I want to hear what you think about some things that I have placed some of my hard-earned money on. We're going to start it off with the king. This guy, this new quarterback on this team, hasn't lost a football game since 2018. And some people out there in Las Vegas, I guess, I think they know something. Have him at seven to one just to make the playoffs in an expanded in an expanded playoffs where they add another team from each conference. Used to be six on each side, now it's seven. Joe Burrow and his Cincinnati Bengals at plus seven hundred to make the playoffs. I of course bet yes. What do you think? You're a big Burrow guy, big LSU guy, but that's a bad bet to me in year one. Um, I, I'm a Burrow believer in the long term. I don't know how this year is going to go. You never really know what to expect from. A rookie quarterback. I mean, Peyton Manning had a horrible rookie year through like 30 picks or something. Uh, it's not anything against Burrow. It's just uh, that offensive line is still bad. That defense is still bad. They're going to get the Ravens twice this year. They're going to get the Steelers twice this year. They're going to get the Browns twice this year, which they'll probably split with. But the Browns still have a lot of talent. I know they kind of flopped last year, but they're still a talented team. Uh, that extra playoff spot is a is a big factor, but I don't, I don't think this is the year for the Bengals. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a bad bet next year, but I, I'm going to pass on the Bengals playoffs this year. My Bengals friends, they tell me, I love Joe Burrow. I'm so excited to watch him. I haven't felt this excited about a season since 2013, maybe. And they also tell me that this is the worst defense that has possibly ever yeah. been assembled in the <laughs> NFL. And we watched a lot of that last year. We, we saw it at Roosters every single week. But the thing about it is they were trying to lose. This year, they're going to try to win. They already have their man. No reason to tank. Joe Mixon, he's he's probably a top 10 running back in the NFL. At least fantasy drafts would tell you that. And their receiving core is definitely upper half with A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Alden Tate. I'll tell you what, I mean, this line, I mean, these guys are professional football players. Who's to say that they couldn't have found their groove? And maybe the coach is in the locker room and he's telling them, Hey guys, we got to try to win this week versus, Hey guys, we got to lose so we can get Joe Burrow on our team here in a few months. I like the Bengals. I think they make the playoffs. And that actually leads me to my next one, which, which you kind of touched on already. I have the Browns at minus 130, 130 to bet 100 to not make the playoffs. What a gift from the gods. <laughs> They're literally, that's essentially even. You know, the last time the Browns made the playoffs? 2002 it is 2020 think about how different things were in 2002 uh, do we even have playstation 2s i don't know i can't remember i don't think so i don't think so, so. yeah i think that's like ps1 type era and that's the last time the browns made the playoffs uh, i'll take the minus 130 no there yeah that i think that is a good bet i mean they have the talent to sneak into that one of those three wild card spots don't get me wrong but until they do it, it's been 18 years. I mean, it's kind of it's definitely much more likely that they won't than they will. That's why it's the minus 130 instead of the positive odds. But I mean, you got to think they're at least the third best team in their division with the Ravens and Steelers ahead of them. You think they're the fourth best team with apparently with, with the Bengals there. Uh, I think that the Steelers could very well be the fourth best team in this division. Big Ben plus 260 to be the comeback player of the year. Did you see him on the sideline last year? The dude looked like he weighed 450 pounds. I just don't know how we're like, oh yeah, Big Ben, I'm just assuming he's going to be really, really good in 2020 and that the Steelers are going to be really, really good. Yes, they make the playoffs last year if the playoffs were expanded to seven teams, but they, they weren't. So the Steelers and the Rams did not make the playoffs, but I disagree. I'm on the, I'm on the Steelers wagon this year. Big Ben dropped all that weight. 
uh, as long as his elbow is healthy. I mean, they they had one of the best defenses in the league last year, probably the best the last eight or nine weeks of the season. Duck Hodges got them into playoff contention. They didn't, they didn't make it, but they were one game away from making it. Uh, I think if Ben stays healthy, the Steelers are definitely a wild card team. Okay, okay. Well, that's why you're here. You know, we're going to talk about this as if I can go change any of the stuff that I've already done. Uh, let's switch to the NFC. This one's kind of bold here. I have the 49ers at plus 300 to not make the playoffs. Oh, uh, I'm going to call that a bad bet. Uh, I do think they progress a little bit from last year. I'm not going to say they missed the playoffs. They are in arguably the toughest division in football, besides maybe maybe the NFC South, if the Falcons have a have a good year. Um, you got the Seahawks and the 49ers up top. Obviously, the, the Rams still have a lot of talent. They've lost a lot of people, but they still have some talent. And the Cardinals are this uh, breakout prediction team of the year. So the NFC North might or the NFC West, sorry, might end up being the best division in football one to four. But uh, I, I think their their run scheme and their coaching and just their uh, defensive talent alone is enough to get them in the playoffs. But I mean, one injury could change everything. Yeah, th- these teams in the NFC West, they they all play each other close, whether they're all really good or some of them aren't that good. And you have the Cardinals who are trending way, way upward. They just signed DeAndre Hopkins to his extension. Kyler Murray is is coming in at like 10th on your NFL MVP possible odds. I, I think the Cardinals are going to be better this year, and it's just the schedule. The 49ers are going to play each of these teams twice. Usually the Super Bowl hangover, the negative part of being in the Super Bowl affects the team that loses versus the team that wins most of the time in the NFL. We watched it with the Rams. We watched it with the Falcons. Jimmy G's not really scaring me. I don't think he's scaring hardly anybody. They kind of won last year with him just being a game manager. The receiving core isn't great. The defense is awesome, and they do have a great coach, and they find a way to run the ball down your throat constantly. But I feel like plus 300 in a division where – the Rams have two of the top five defensive players in the NFL on their team. And the Seahawks always have a really good defense. They know what the 49ers are going to go out there and do. It, it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers made the playoffs, but that's one of the best no's that I could come up with right there. And I think that the blueprint for the 49ers to not make the playoffs is not as inconceivable as it may seem when I say it at first. I mean, yeah, it's definitely possible. They surprised a lot of people last year with how good they were. And I still don't. 100% believe in the Jimmy Garoppolo at QB experiment, but I think Shanahan's too good. I think they have too much speed and the, their running scheme's too good. But uh, I mean, I don't, you could have bought me on them not winning their division, maybe being a wild card team, but uh, I, I'm going to go with the 49ers are going to make the playoffs this year. Okay. That's the, fair. I, you the know, bold call to say that. All. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. Uh, Vegas would not. It's minus 430 that they make yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. I'm going with the bold call to uh, sure. back, back the minus 430. No doubt. So uh, here's one you might like. I have the Bills at minus 170 to make the playoffs. Yes, I love this bet. Uh, great bet. I think that the Bills are the your AFC East division champions. I've been pretty adamant about that this offseason. I don't think the Patriots are going to be that good. Um, I, like, I love the Bills defense. Everybody knows about that. They just got Tredavious White on an extension for pretty much a bargain if you look at what all these other guys are getting. Um, like, but... Um, Ramsey just got yeah, white. They, the Bills definitely got a good value. Uh, I think Josh Allen's going to take another step forward. I don't know how big of a step that is and how elite he's going to be, but uh, they they play good defense. They can. They brought in uh, Zach Moss, good running back out of Utah, to complement Singletary. I think the Bills are going to be a pretty good team. And I mean, who else is going to win that division? The Patriots are the only other thing you can argue for. The Dolphins are a year away from being a year away, and the Jets are just. I don't know what the Jets are, but they're not a division winner this year. Yeah, they are the Jets. And and that's exactly why I like the Bills here. And that that's just to make the playoffs, not even win the division. You can actually get them at plus 125 to win the AFC East. Uh, Cam Newton hasn't really made us think that he was a spectacular player in, I don't know, like three something years. I don't think there's any reason to assume the Patriots are going to be awesome. Tom Brady wasn't exactly lighting it all on fire last year, but the Patriots have been known to have a, la- a drastic lack of talent at the skill positions. We've seen some defensive players opt out. I don't know. It just feels like it's about time for the Patriots to be a little down, and the Bills have maybe the best defense in the NFL. So, yeah, I love the Bills to make the playoffs here. My next one, Joe Burrow at plus 230 to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. 
Yeah, I think that's a good bet. I think um, probably his only and main competition is going to be his running his uh, LSU teammate Clyde Edwards Hilaire with the Chiefs, just because of all the uh, all the hype he's getting, all the production he's going to get out of that high scoring Chiefs offense. He's going like anywhere from five to ten in fantasy drafts, not making out the first round any of them. Um, but this is this is usually a quarterback award. I think if Burrow stays healthy and just doesn't play horrible, I think he should be the probably the overwhelming favorite to win this award. It's just like the MVP. It's they're going to give it to a quarterback nine out of ten times unless somebody does something crazy, which uh, Edward Tolaire could do. But yeah, I, I got my money on Burrow on that one. Yeah, six of the last eleven offensive rookie of the years have gone to quarterbacks and that actually that number is a little low when you consider it because it feels like it you know always goes to a quarterback but these years where guys like Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara and even Percy Harvin have won this award there wasn't a good rookie quarterback a really good rookie quarterback week to week Baker even almost stole it from Saquon a couple years ago Uh, I think Joe's going to be out there every single week I think these are going to be some really really high scoring Bengals games and I think the Bengals are going to make the playoffs, but they could go 5-11 and 11 and he still win this award. Clyde Edwards-Solari is the second most likely award winner at 5.5-1. to one. Then you're looking at Tua, 8-1. to one. You know he's not going to start the season. Jonathan Taylor, 9.5-1. to one. Then you look at the field, and you have to say, like, I'm getting plus odds on Joe Burrow in week three. This could be minus 250 or something. I love that one. Yeah, I don't see any way that it's not one of those two guys. I mean... Jonathan Taylor could come in, take that starting job, and go nuts, but I think it's uh, one of those guys for sure. Yeah, I was really surprised with the Jonathan Taylor hype, the guy out of Wisconsin, that they still have Marlon Mack, who they are heavily high on in in Indianapolis. And they also have Naeem Hines. It's just weird that they still have both those guys. Yeah, I think that's uh, the hype comes from how good he was at Wisconsin and also the Colts' offensive line is – dominant i mean quentin nelson might be the best in the game right now already he's only like two years in so i think uh i mean the colts can run the ball and if jonathan taylor is as as he was advertised at wisconsin i think that's going to be his job probably by week six or eight so yeah i, I agree i mean I, I think they should move on i feel like i'm never really afraid of the colts rushing attack and maybe maybe i will be here uh going forward with Jonathan Taylor back there. Uh, last one on good bet, bad bet, the Cowboys to win the NFC East at minus 130. Also, you know, I take this every single year. <laughs> I'm not a Cowboys fan. My family is, but I, I take it every year. I'm on it again. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I would say it's a good bet. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be the Cowboys or the Eagles. That's kind of the story of the last four or five years. The Redskins have been irrelevant since RG3 got hurt in that playoff game in Seattle. Um, the Giants, no, they've had – the, the ghost of Eli Manning and then a rookie Danny Danny Dimes out there. So they've been pretty irrelevant too. So it's pick your poison Eagles or the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys far and ahead have the more talented roster as far as weapons. I mean, the Eagles receivers are horrible. They've had some injuries on their offensive line already. I think the, the Cowboys are a, a pretty safe bet to win that division. I think the Cowboys are going to be really good. And it feels like I feel that way every single year, but Man, the NFC East, it feels like it's even more down than normal. Uh, this poor Jalen Rhaegar guy from TCU, I mean, he gets drafted. He's never hurt in college. He shows up at the Eagles facility, immediately gets hurt. I don't know what's going on over there, but it's not good. And people are getting injured like crazy. Uh, Nick Foles is no longer there to save the season if Wentz does go down. I think the Eagles have a good chance of being solid. I'm really high on Miles Sanders, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could easily see the Eagles going seven and nine, and the Cowboys winning this division, possibly in a season that is somewhat disappointing. Yeah, I mean, the past couple of years, the story has kind of been: if you go nine and seven, you're going to win this division. It's not the hardest division in football to win. So, I like the Cowboys; they're a trendy Super Bowl pick. I don't know about all that, but I definitely like them to win the East. Yeah, same. So that's a good bet. All right, I did okay there. You approved of like three of my six. It's better than I thought. Uh, disappointment. A team that you think is not going to be as good as people may think they're going to be. What do you got? Um, I kind of already talked about it a little bit, but I'm all the way out on the Patriots. I mean, they still have Belichick. It's kind of tough to bet against him after we've seen the last 20 years, but I'm not buying the Cam hype after watching him, not only last year, but the last couple of years, honestly. He's kind of a few years removed from that MVP caliber player. Um, They lost two of their best defensive players, Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy in free agency. 
They lost two starting offensive linemen. They had a league high eight players opt out for the coronavirus, including Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower, and uh, Brady's gone as well. So I just I don't believe in this Patriots team. They could. I mean, Belichick could scheme his way into a nine and seven record, ten and 11, ten and six, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I think the Bills win this division. I don't think the Patriots get in the playoffs. And uh, I don't know. I might look pretty stupid in a couple months. No, nah, I'm with you. I, I agree. If if Belichick pulls this one off, if Belichick pulls this one off, it's it's his best work possibly ever. Even if they make the playoffs, just losing Tom and just proving that it was more him and his system versus the Tom Brady effect. I have the 49ers there. No reason to elaborate. Yeah. Uh, team that you think is going to be a pleasant surprise. Uh, the consensus pick from all these uh, experts on ESPN and Fox and all that are saying the Cardinals and the Bills and even the Broncos were getting some hype, which I wasn't really buying into that as a Broncos fan. I know we're still a couple years away from even doing anything, making a run or anything like that. Uh, so instead of those three or two, I should say, the Cardinals and the Bills, I'm going to go with the the Colts, who I just kind of talked about as well. Um, they were 5-2 and two last year with a win at Kansas City. And then so that was with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, and they got some – some injuries to T.Y. and Malik Hooker, Darius Leonard all missed multiple games, and they finished 7-9. and nine. Um, Not to mention Andrew Luck retired like two weeks before the season started last year, kind of threw off every all their prep for the entire season. Um, they got Phillip Rivers now. I know he wasn't great last year or even really the year before that. He's, his arm looks a little shot, but he doesn't have to be that that gunslinger he kind of was in his, in his prime in San Diego. Uh, they have a great offensive line like I just talked about. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be – a good running back. I think he takes over that starting job. They still have T.Y., playmaker. They have Darius Leonard, one of the best linebackers in the, in the NFL. Um, and they play in a really bad division. I mean, the Texans got worse trading maybe the best receiver in football way. The Jaguars are going to be tanking this year. They might go 1-15. and um, And we don't really know if the Titans are going to keep up that, that run they had last year. So uh, I like the Colts to win that division and kind of surprise a few people with how good they are this year. Yeah, that division's really interesting. The only thing I don't like about the Colts is the Rivers thing, and there's only so many quarterbacks out there. I just haven't been too impressed with Rivers and his ability to win a football game when he's a starting quarterback on a team lately. But, yeah, plus 125 to win the division is pretty good odds. you got the Titans at plus 165, the Texans at plus 320, and the Jaguars at a number that nobody needs to hear because nobody needs to press that button. You know, I'm not mad at that. It's pretty, It's pretty solid. I do believe in the in the Cardinals hype a little bit. I just think they're still probably another year away. Um, Kyler and Cliff were pretty, they went five and ten last year, but both entering their second year and they were competitive in most of those losses last year. They were probably a better team than people thought they were last year. So, and now they have arguably the best receiver in football. So, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals went about eight and eight, nine and seven, maybe. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. It's just it's a tough division, man. You got those LA yeah. Rams out there. Those guys are tough. And the yeah. Seattle Seahawks, you never know. Russell Wilson back there. Uh, I, I like what the Cardinals are putting together. I kind of hate how much I like it because, you know, how many teams in this division can just keep seemingly getting better as the Rams kind of lose a guy or two every single year. But whatever. Still get to play the Cowboys on Sunday night, which I am not looking forward to because <laughs> – you know, yeah, Rams Cowboys, it's a really cool game, me versus family. But Sunday night, that ends. You know what I got to do? Go, go to work. sleep. Go <laughs> yeah. To work. Yeah. That's Potentially the, go to work. When sleep you hear the matter. when you hear the um, the 60 minutes ticking at after the end of the four o'clock oh. games, oh, that's man. when you know your weekend like, oh well, the weekend's over. I got one more game. Probably need to go to sleep about the third quarter if I want to get a good night's sleep. Yeah, Just, I mean that uh waiting all day for a Sunday night is gonna hit so much different for me. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt yeah. this year. It usually hits me when about the time we pull out our roosters at like five o'clock. I'm like, well, it's over. <laughs> yep, look forward to this and uh yeah. it's coming again in a week, but man, a week is a long time. <laughs> uh most most surprising for me, Bengals. No need to elaborate there. All right, let's get to our NFL locks. Uh, last thing for today's segment. Uh, what what are we thinking here? I mean, last year we had some good weeks, we had some bad weeks. I'm thinking this year is going to be really good. I feel like we're about to um, not disagree, but based on everything that's been said in the first 20 minutes, is I feel like we're about to have some some opposite feelings about some of these games. <laughs> well, it's just week one, so <laughs> we'll see. Um, go ahead, get us started. This is a, a really, really tough board. I looked at all these games like four times. I like a lot of teasers, but you know I'm not soft like that to give them out. I'm going to bet a lot of teasers, but I'm not going to give them out on here. So uh, my first pick is going to be the Monday night early game. Mond uh, Steelers at Giants. I'm going to take 
Steelers minus six. Um, they had the, the best defense in the NFL the last 10 weeks of last year, uh, led by one of the best defensive lines in the league. And the Giants' highest-paid tackle opted out, replaced by a rookie. Daniel Jones fumbled 18 times last season, while the Steelers led the league in fumble recoveries and sacks last year. I just think their, their defense is going to eat on that offensive line. Um, Big Ben's back. I don't know how in game shape or game form he is, but I expect him to uh, him and Juju to kind of gel where they were two years ago. And uh, I think it might be a, a long night for Danny Dimes with that TJ Watt and the other guys rushing him in his face all night. Uh, wow. Yeah, I'm completely sold on that. I mean, you had some cool stats there to back it up. I hadn't really looked at that game because I'm not high on the Steelers, but good Lord. Steelers minus six. You all heard the man. My first pick. Why don't you guess? Why don't you guess what it is? Probably the Bengals. <laughs> Austin, it's the Bengals. It's going to be the Bengals plus three and a half at home against the Chargers. Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor, he can try me. Bengals plus three and a half. Well, uh, my second pick is going to be the opposite of that. I got it at three, though. That's a big difference. No, man. Char- Chargers minus three and uh, Bengals plus three and a half is a big difference. But let me tell you why I got the Chargers. I don't really trust Tyrod. He can try you. I don't I don't blame you for saying that. I don't really know what to expect from this, um, this Chargers offense. But... I do know what to expect from their defense. They have Bosa and Ingram coming off the side against a horrible offensive line. Number one overall picks are 0-5-1 and in week in their week one of their rookie year starting. I know Burrow's built different, but he's gonna have to buck that trend. Um, yeah, I, I don't trust the Bengals line to protect Burrow, especially against this arguably a top three defensive line in the NFL. Uh, if the Chargers can get Eckler going on the ground against this horrible rush defense. I don't think Terod will have to do much. He can just manage the game. He's still got Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and some other weapons. I just I, I don't I like Burrow. I I'm I'm a Burrow believer. I just think it takes him a while. No, it's a cool stat you had about the number <laughs> one picks losing every game. And what's cool about that stat is it correlates to something else. The NFL is awesome because you have to play college football essentially to go to the NFL. All these number one picks you just mentioned, I don't know who they are, but I already know that they played at a college and uh, they definitely didn't have a season like Joe Burrow just had. Uh, So, yeah, I'm I'm on the Bengals here. I think this game is possibly going to feature a lot of points scored by the Bengals. I'll take the Bengals plus three and a half in the money line. Uh, The no no preseason reps scares me for a rookie. Um, one thing I knew going into this pick segment is that you weren't going to go three and oh, so fantastic <laughs> to hear. Fantastic to hear. Um, yeah, well, that that's uh, absolutely true. Now, uh, my second one, I'm going to do a Ravens Colts, little money line teaser parlay. Both those teams are winning. The Ravens are going to Cleveland and then the Colts are going to Jacksonville. The Jaguars, they're going to pick one game to win everybody. And I don't think it's going to yeah. be the first one. Yeah, I 100% agree with the, that teaser. I'm definitely teasing the Colts down in my biggest teaser of the weekend. The Colts are my week one survivor pick. So if they lose, I'm going to be very upset for multiple reasons. So I, d- I definitely like that. Um, my last pick, I don't love – I don't really love any – the Steelers is my favorite pick. I don't really love my other two. But I looked at the board and I couldn't – I wanted to take the Seahawks and then I read all these Matt Ryan 60 and 33 at home. Seahawks have the most public money on them already out of every team. So that scared me away a little bit. So my last pick is another team we've already talked about a lot. Uh, Cardinals plus seven. I know you're hating on the 49ers a lot. Uh, I just I just think they're um, the 49ers coming off the Super Bowl loss hangover. We already talked about it a little bit. The team that loses usually has a worse season than the team that won. Um, they lost Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints. Marquise Goodwin is with the Eagles now. Debo Samuel's out. Their rookie receiver, Brandon Ayuk, is out. I don't know who they're going to throw the ball to besides Kittle, obviously. Um, they still should probably be able to run the ball in this defense, but I just think Kyler is going to put up some points. He's got Hopkins to bail him out now whenever he needs to. Still got Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, I think they, they put up enough points to cover a touchdown here. They played the Niners t- good last year twice. Uh, they lost 28-25 the first time. And then they lost by 10 the second matchup, 36-26, but they were leading through three and after one and after two and after three. So that game, that final score was kind of uh, not really how the game went. Um, just a division game, week one. Uh, I, I think it's pretty safe to say the Cardinals should keep this within a touchdown, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, oh, I like that one. I almost took it, but instead – 
I took the Tennessee Titans going into Denver. Yeah, not a bad call. And a half. Yeah, I, I think – so my little brother, he's 14. And I think if I – you know, he's not too into the NFL. He knows what's going on, but he doesn't watch it every week. He definitely doesn't care like us. I think if I asked him to name as many Broncos players as he could, I think he would name – I uh, probably know the quarterback, probably know who Drew Locke is. And he'd say, oh, and, you know, I saw the Melvin Gordon stuff, Melvin Gordon. And then he might he might say Bradley Chubb. I mean, might, might say Bradley Chubb. But he would definitely say Vaughn Miller and Cortland Sutton, who you've seen recently. I mean, I'm, you know, not trying to crush your dreams here. We're having we're having fun. But, you know, I'm not trying to be mean right now. But, I mean, these these guys are going down right before the game starts. Tough to Tough to prepare for live with life without them when you didn't expect your season to go that way. Uh, the Titans coming off a solid season. It's just essentially a pick them. I like Titans there. Yeah. So, um, Corey on sudden is day to day. So that's good. Nice. Okay. I, I, doubt, I doubt he plays in this game still, though. They don't want to push that. Um, before the injury news, I love the Broncos here just for, I mean, I'm biased, obviously, but uh, you got to think this game's kicking off at midnight Nashville time in the first game of the year. They're traveling across country playing in the altitude that the Broncos have been practicing in for six weeks. The Titans have not been practicing in that. They haven't had any preseason games. Obviously, nobody has. Uh, I just don't think they'll be in game shape. I like Broncos' second half a lot here. Obviously, you guys see how the first half goes, but uh, I think the Titan, this Titans defense is going to be worn down in the second half. But if Sutton misses this game, Von Miller's already out. I don't I don't know how the Broncos score enough points or stop Derrick Henry to win the game. So I, I can't say that's a bad pick, but I do think that the – the altitude and the stamina is going to be a factor for the Titans. It's just a matter of if they can uh, run all overs and it not matter, which they might be able to, especially Chubb might not play either. So yeah, it might be ugly, but some just something to think about. That's cool. That's cool. Being a Denver fan that you can always, no matter what always the, altitude. With the game, you can always go back yeah. to the altitude. Yeah. That's that has to be a good feeling. I would feel a hundred times better if we had, we were going to have a sold out crowd in the building. Because we probably do have one of the best home court, home field advantages in the NFL, but I don't know how any home field advantage is going to be this year when there's 10,000 people in a 50,000-person stadium. So that'll be something to keep an eye out as far as trends go and like home first away if it's even a factor or anything. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting Monday at uh, 1030. You'll probably be asleep for work. So Yeah, I might be. I might be. And uh, yeah, I, I think the no fans things really helps uh, teams like the Rams and Chargers. So that way the away fans can't come to our games and yeah, it's even at home. So, yeah, I think that could be huge for teams like that. Austin, you got anything else? Uh, No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, it's finally time. All right. TTYL.